Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Elliott Spencer Building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Nightbreed. Everything's true. God's an astronaut. Oz is over the rainbow. Midian's where the monsters live. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. Tonight's topic, Clive Barker's often overlooked, I wouldn't say masterpiece, but probably my favorite film of his, mm-hmm. Nightbreed. I love Nightbreed. I don't know if I could call it overlooked. I mean, a lot well, of people know Nightbreed, yeah, don't they? But, but when you hear, in general, I'm talking, when you hear people say Clive Barker, Hellraiser. Yeah, true. Yeah, they say Hellraiser. And I like Hellraiser. I like Hellraiser you know, a lot. People say, uh, was it Mouth of Madness? Mm-hmm. You know, and then talk about his books and stuff. And yeah, I mean that's all good. But Nightbreed's the one that I would watch over and over again. Yeah, you know, I agree. I love Nightbreed. You know, and I'm surprised Nightbreed hasn't gotten more notoriety these days because it has become more and more popular. I mean, when it first came out, yeah, we haven't gone into the story, but what well, was marketed poorly. It was, but when it first came out, in in the years that it came out, it was not super popular no. for the monsters to be sympathetic, for the monsters to oh, be yeah. the good guys, so to speak, of the story. Yeah. Well, and Whereas also, now, yeah. that's a very common occurrence, well, and very uh, a lot of people like that. A yeah. lot of people want to root for the monster. And that goes back to the, the marketing. I mean, it came out in ninety. Uh, filmed in like 89, I think, came out in 90, or was filmed in 88, 87. Anyway, it was filmed and it was shelved a little bit and they went back and did reshoots and they had test screenings and and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Anyway, when it finally came out in 1990 though, the studio didn't know how to market it. Right. You know, it was pushed more as type of slasher film because that's what had been popular in the 80s leading up to that. And then, of course, the Hellraiser was a straight-ahead horror picture, you know. Right. And this wasn't that at all. I mean, like you said, Nightbreed, the monsters in it are actually the good guys, and the humans who appear to be the, should be the good guys, are actually the bad guys. Right. Hunting the monsters who really just want to be left the hell alone. Yeah. If you just leave them alone, they wouldn't bother you. And and just goes to show you got one bad apple (laughs) that spoils it for everybody. That's right. You know, you got the guy who has his agenda yep. that he's trying to force down everybody's, this sounds real familiar, <laughs> trying to force down everybody's throats, literally, with yeah. a knife, and he thinks he's right, and these the monsters just want to be left alone, but he wants to destroy them. Right. They just want to be, hey, I just want to live my life and do my business, you know, and be away from everybody. And so basically the plot, let's get into that, I guess. It starts off, you meet Boone. Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone, yeah. who's just this regular guy. He's got a regular girlfriend who, in the director's cut, we see a little more of her backstory, that she's a, a singer in a band. And we'll talk about the difference the director's cut in a minute, too. And they had this, they're just a regular kind of, you know, young 20-something couple. And he gets a call from his psychiatrist. Apparently, he has had episodes. Or he's been to see a psychiatrist because of his dreams about monsters in yeah. this place called Midian, where the monsters live. And all your sins will be forgiven there. And the psychiatrist says, you know, I haven't talked to you in a few months. I think you need to come back in. He says, well, I'm feeling fine. He says, well, come back in anyway. So he goes back in and the psychiatrist 
is David Cronenberg, who's excellent in this. Yeah. Really subtle, that low-key playing of this part. Absolutely. Which makes him a creepier. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good in this. Yeah. And he says, well, you know, he tells them, they talk more about his dreams. And I don't know if it's at that point he says, or maybe he calls him back in again. No, it was that same time. It's that same time he shows him the pictures. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he shows him pictures of, uh, because he says he's had these dreams of murders and stuff. And the psychiatrist says, well, do you remember any of these things? These are things you've described to me Mm -hmm. in detail. And it's pictures of these police crime scene photos of people with their throats slashed. And Boone doesn't remember any of it. Right. He doesn't. He says he doesn't remember any of it. And the doctor says, well, here, take these pills. These will help calm down your episodes. I think the best thing to do is for you to go to the police and confess. I can give you 24 hours. That's right. all I can give you. But take these pills. This will keep you from having another episode. Well, he leaves. He takes the pills. And, of course, he starts hallucinating because they're not pills to calm him down. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course, the doctor is the bad guy. We find out really soon. And he almost gets hit by a truck, and he's in a hospital, and then the emergency room, and the doctor says, this isn't lithium. <laughs> Somebody gave you some medical-grade hallucinogenics. You're suffering from a bad trip. And then he meets this other weird guy in the hospital who ends up, who says something about Midian. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, what are you talking about? And he tells him where to go to find Midian, and then this guy starts cutting his face off to prove he's worthy mm-hmm. to go, and Boone takes off. Of course, orderlies and the police run in. They think Boone did it. Because the doctor's been feeding them this stuff. He ends up finding, going, driving, finding Midian. Goes this is to, not a town. It's not a town. Cemetery. It's a cemetery. And he goes in one of the crypts and finds it's this vast underground network, of, almost like an underground city. Yeah. Where the monsters live. Oh, no, he doesn't, he doesn't go down there at this point, does he? Anyway, eventually he goes down. He's on the, he meets a couple of monsters in the graveyard. Peliquin, it's really cool looking monster you know it's not biting him on the shoulder yeah because he call, keeps calling him meat and yeah. then boone runs away because they say no you're not you're not one of us you can't come here and he says i've killed people and they're like who told you that i've killed 15 people who told you that what do you mean he lied asshole so he runs he runs out of the cemetery and he runs right into a bunch of police cars and lights hit him and then the doctor goes up and talks to him and boone ends up getting shot and the doctor says well you know too bad, <laughs> more or less. And we go on. It turns out he goes back to the morgue. They're doing, starting to do an autopsy, but then, da da da. He comes back to life. He comes back and to he life. Lee, he breaks through the window and leaves, and he goes back to Midian. Now they accept him because, because he's he's, he's undead dead or undead or whatever. And he is, you know, one of us, one of us. <laughs> and then a series of shenanigans as the movie goes on between the doctor killing some more people with his zipper mask. Yeah, and which is a neat It's mask. a cool mask. It's really creepy. And him moving real slow and with those long-ass knives is really creepy. Yeah. And Boone's girlfriend trying to go into Midian to try to find him. Well, she, she kind of says she's going for closure, but she also... The body was stolen, they mm-hmm. think. They don't know that he's well, after, obviously yeah. come back to life. Yeah, like a series of shenanigans. Anyway, yeah. she ends up going there eventually and finds him. Yeah. And then the doctor... Is gotten in with the local cops, and they're trying to find Boone's body, and then word gets out that there's something weird going on in Midian, so... They gotta go back and the kill all the monsters. The local cops who are insane, well, the, the sheriff is insane anyway. Actually, he used to be on Hill Street Blues. Oh, was as he? A detect- not a detective, as a patrolman, yeah. Anyway, so they go there, and they blow up the graveyard, and big monster battle with and rednecks and bombs and shotguns and all this kind of cool stuff, and lots of monsters and... 
that's the real Cliff Notes version. Yeah, <laughs> what goes super, on. There's super a lot notes. more, and I don't want to just detail the entire plot because then why do you need to watch a movie? You know. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's to, a lot. I mean, going if you on. know anything about Clive Barker, mm-hmm. he's a very detailed oriented kind yeah. of author. Now, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Oh in yeah. There. Now with that being said about the plot and all, we got that out of the way. Like you said, Clive Barker. If you like Clive Barker. And you've never seen Nightbreed? Shame on you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this is a, a our favorite. Yeah, I Nightbreed can say is that. Nightbreed is based on the book called Cabal. Yeah, which is what it's Boone a big, later a thick book. Yeah, later yeah. Boone is renamed by Baphomet as Cabal. He's named Cabal. You know, whatever doesn't really matter for this particular podcast, but that's Could've where the name Flounder, comes. I mean, you know. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> Flounder. <laughs> Why Flounder? Why not? <laughs> so yeah, so he gets renamed Cabal, mm-hmm. and that's where the name came from. Yeah, for, and incidentally, that was going to be the name of the movie. Yeah, but that's one g- good thing I think the studio execs came up with. It's like Cabal, and you know, it doesn't. It's meaningless. It's just a word, right? Well, it's to, to a lot of people, it well, is. Yeah, but Nightbreed is is a name that evokes an image, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Even if you don't know what it's about, it sounds mysterious. It sounds cool. Yeah. I would want to go see a movie called Nightbreed, Sight Unseen. Cabal, I could give two shits for. Yeah. No, I get that. You know what I mean? So that was the, I think that's the only good thing that the <laughs> studio execs did. Yeah, probably so. And I like how they use the, how he uses the term in the, in the movie. He says, well, I'm part of the breed now. Yeah. I just and I we like are the, the night that, breed. Yeah, we or, are or the, the night, tribes of the moon. The that's the moon. another thing that yeah. that's kind of cool. I like that. Too. I like that too. But like I was saying, one thing is they didn't market this thing for shit. I mean, I remember going to comic conventions and and horror conventions in probably eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's when they were they made it a year or two before it actually got put out. And getting this, the only thing I saw there was this little like four by five, a little pamphlet that unfolded, mm-hmm. and it had said Nightbreed on the front, and had images of some of the monsters in it with a little bio. And that was about it. I mean, I didn't. I don't remember seeing much in the horror magazines. I'm sure there was. And wondering what this movie was going to be. It looked like it was kind of cool, but that yeah. was about it. And then when they push, started pushing some marketing, it was more, like I said, towards the slasher, making it look more like a slasher film, which the stuff with Decker, who's the doctor, is Cronenberg's character, is so small in it. I mean, screen time. It's a big part of the story. Sure. But it's not the thrust, it's not the plot of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, the monsters being the good guys. And and again, it was, you know, it's a time when it was the slasher movies were the big thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a central monster, if you will, like Freddy, like Jason, like Michael. Right. But it wasn't like monsters like the Wolfman and Frankenstein and Creature. And, and this is more like, not like those, but it's more obscure, lots of different monsters. Yeah. You know, not an, one iconic killer type thing. And again, the monsters aren't really killers. I mean, I mean, that's the thing that they don't really go into that a lot on the in the movie. Well, they don't go into a whole lot of things in the movie, but, you know, Peliquin keeps calling Boone meat before yeah. he bites him because, you know, he's meat. That means he's food. And yeah. And, that is what they're talking about. But it's against their 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 laws. That's right. It's against their laws to to eat the people, obviously, because yeah. that's going to bring down destruction yeah. on them. So yeah. you can't do that. So they're not really. That might be their nature. But they don't. Go but they and don't hunt do people. it. Yeah. Right. If somebody wanders in to their world or tries to hurt them, 
That's different. Right. One of the things, like I was saying earlier about how when Barker finished the film and they had a test screening of it and the audience didn't respond well to the test screening. So he went back in and... Was that his original cut? That's his original before cut. Before the studio did Yeah, his original cut it? with the original ending. Okay. And went back in and he, he did uh, some reshoots mm-hmm. and recut it a little bit and had a second test screening. It did a little better. Okay. Because there's the one scene where it was a narcissy. Yeah. The guy that cuts his face off. Yeah. In the director's cut, which is what we watched recently here, I haven't seen the theatrical cut in a long time, and I don't think I have a copy of that anymore. Yeah, and I have not seen, I, I neither of us have seen, yeah. there's been recently the Cabal oh, cut we'll that went around the theaters, but yeah. anyway, go ahead. Getting that in a second. Anyway, in the original cut, the director's cut, Narcissi gets killed. You see, Deck, I think Decker walking around with his head mm-hmm. at the end, and in the theatrical cut, that scene's not in it. So I can't remember if you see that he's alive at the end or you just don't see that he got killed. Because uh, people like that character. Yeah. So when he was dead at the end, they were like, oh, they didn't like that. So that was one of the things. Now, you're talking about the Cabal cut. There's three or four different cuts of this film. Yeah. There's a theatrical cut, which I can't remember the running time of that. But when Barker finished filming, it was a two and a half hour movie. Right. Which would have been awesome. Yeah. Because even with the director's cut that we watched, I still felt like... There should have been more. There's some missing stuff in there. Yeah. Some character, missing character oh, bits, definitely. you know. The Fox studio, 20th Century Fox, wanted an hour cut out of that. Jeez. They felt that was too long. So he, you know, went back, did some reshoots, recut it, and then finally when it got released... Oh, here's the theatrical cut. It was 102 minutes. Seriously? 102? Yeah. Wow, that's short. I do not remember it being that short. Yeah. Now, I can't remember. And I've seen that version. Yeah. Supposedly, the director's cut, there's an interview at the beginning with Clive Barker, and supposedly supposedly the cut we were watching, there's about 40-some-odd minutes put back in it. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was that much put back in it. No. But it could have been. I mean, there's a, a bit of characterization at the beginning. After Boone gets the pills from... Decker. Decker. We see some hallucinations that he has. Yeah. That, that was, weren't there was in the some new stuff theatrical in there. cut. And then he goes to the bar to watch his girlfriend sing. That was definitely put back So that in. could have been about 10 minutes, really. Yeah, it could have been. Five to 10 minutes worth right there. And I understand why that was cut. It really didn't add a whole lot to it. Yeah. You true. know, I would like to have seen more of the monster stuff, more Midian to get more of, of what they are about. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of that. There was some more monster there stuff. There was some there more was stuff lot, with Boone but... and Baphomet. There was a lot at the end was changed. There's a lot more of the battle at the end yeah. that was added back in. The original ending, and if I say original, I mean the theatrical cut is what I'm talking about. At the end, one of the last shots you see before you see the tribes of the moon and the, and the voiceover is there's a priest in this film too who's, who the cops, he was an alcoholic in the drunk tank, but the cops got him out to go help him fight the monsters and at the end, he has seen Baphomet and has got this bowl of non-holy water <laughs> in his face. And, of course, he's mutated a little bit because of that. And at the very end, he's got Decker's body, Cronenberg, with the mask on, who had got killed mm-hmm. in the film at the end. He's got him up on some like, tomb or something like crucified. Mm-hmm. And he's down at the bottom, like, praying to 
uh, the body Decker, of Decker, and then the Decker body like comes back to life, like ah, like a jump scare thing. Mm-hmm. In the director's cut that we watched, completely different. Yeah, he has Decker's head. Yeah, with the mask on on something. I can't remember what it was on. It's like setting on something. Yeah, and he's not a sycophant like at the end of the other one. He's talking to the sheriff who, in the original cut, was blown up or something. In this, he's yeah. He got burned real bad, but he's walking back around and the priest sees him and the priest is talking like the priest has got his shit together now. Yeah. Like he's And he's, he's gonna the, be the bad guy going yeah. after the night breed because right. they did this to him and they're evil. And which would have made an interesting sequel. Yeah. Yeah, you know, which would have been cool, I think. But completely different endings. Two yeah. totally different. It leaves you completely off. Oh, another big part. Uh in the original theatrical cut too, at the very end. I do believe Lori was her name, right? Yeah. Boone's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You see Lori and Boone silhouetted kind of up at the top of this hill, and then the tribes of the moon are in this barn because Midian got destroyed. And I think the voiceover says something about Boone is he's going to find others of the night breed mm-hmm. to bring them home or back to these, you know, to live with everybody else. And I can't remember what happens with him and Lori there, or she's just there with him. In the director's cut, there's this whole long scene of them on this hill and or there's some dialogue of the breed in the barn. The little girl Babette has some dialogue, which in the original cut she doesn't. Right. Anyway, and Boone and Lori on this hill and she's like, I want to be with you. I want to go. With you. He's like, you can't, you can't ever be with me. She said, well, make it so I can, you know, they, they made it so you could, you make it so he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that to you. I'm going to go. And he starts to walk away and she says, Boone. And she stabs herself in the gut with a knife. He's like, oh, don't die. So then he bites her on the shoulder. So apparently he's a vampire. <laughs> so he bites her on the shoulder like Peliquin bit him. And it and looks like she she's dead. And then she life. comes back to life. But we don't see what kind of monster she turns into. Because right. Boone, when he vamps out for more, you know, he gets excited or smells blood or gets intense. He gets these uh, tribal like marking like cuts in his skin on his mm-hmm. face and gets the heavy brow, the Frankenstein brow and yeah. fangs and stuff. Kind of a cool look. Uh, we don't get to see what she does, which I think would have been really interesting. That would have been cool. Which another reason why we need to see. Yeah. Um, well, that, you know, in the first cut, the theatrical cut, and, and maybe it's because it's been so long since I've seen that version. I don't remember Lori being as, I don't want to use the word prominent, but. She, she it, is. I mean, I know she, she was in it and she was a, a huge catalyst in it because yeah. she obviously is what triggers, you know, she went after Boone, she finds yeah. Boone and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But in this one, it felt like she played a bigger part, you know. Well, she I had mean, more they, screen time. Well, she was on, obviously, <laughs> I mean, but. I mean, she does, you know, you see her save Babette when she first comes to Midian and she goes down that. there at the end and, and she's in, yeah, I mean, she's in it a lot in the theatrical cut. The main stuff she's not is, like I said, is that. Yeah. And she has that whole scene, that whole solo stuff in the bar when she's going to look for him. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff they added in, everything else is still there, though. Okay. I guess it's just been a while since I've I'll have to try to dig out a theatrical copy. Yeah. See if we still have one somewhere. Typically, I, you know, when I get a a new version of like a Blu ray, I'll get rid of the DVD to save space. And that, if I didn't keep it, I should have (laughs) because it's a different cut. I'll dig around some stuff, though. See if. See if Maybe we still, we still have it. If not, I'll I'll find one eventually. Yeah, we'll check. But it would be cool to watch them now back to back to yeah. see the differences. I would like to do that. Yeah. But they are, you know, in the interview at the beginning, Clive Barker's going on saying how 
this is a totally different film mm-hmm. after the director's cut. And I kind of get what he's saying, but I kind of don't too, because yeah. he goes on saying how the monsters were not viewed as sympathetic. And the, the, like the first cut doesn't make it feel like the monsters were sympathetic is the way he made it yeah. sound. But they did. I always came oh, yeah. away from well, that. We, we, all, we see things a little differently anyway. Anyway. Well, maybe so, but um, I, I always oh, had that feeling. Looking, and I saw the movie way before I read the book. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, I never read the book. I don't know, but I saw the movie. I went. I went to see the movie with some a couple guys I worked with. I remember going to see it mm-hmm. and not knowing much about it, except remember I remember seeing that pamphlet like a year before, going, "Oh, hey, this might be kind of cool." Yeah. And coming out going, "Wow, I yeah. was really pleasantly surprised." Yeah. Here's something. Looking down at my notes here. The director's cut we just, we just watched right. is 120 minutes. Okay. Now, the Cabal cut, which is an additional director's cut, more or less. Right. Clive Barker, they actually, after they did the director's cut, I think they found more footage somewhere. And some of it, may not, the quality not, might not be that great, but they found it. The Cabal cut, 144 minutes. Oh, wow. So, that's another 24 minutes worth of footage. Yeah. Which, okay, that was released very limited and it was an outrageous price, like 89 90 bucks for it or more when it came out a year or two ago. And it was real limited release. And I just can't put that much into a, into yeah. a Blu-ray or DVD. No, I get that. I wouldn't. I want to see it. I don't want to see it that bad. Oh. Well, they may release it again. Yeah. That'd be nice if they did. It would. And I really would like to see that with all that extra footage. Because as much as we love this movie, yeah. more of it would be amazing. Well, this is one of those movies that we get people to watch a lot like whenever we meet people and we talk about different flicks we've seen or different movies that we love this often comes up oh yeah oh here a couple of interesting things in this facts if you will in the director's cut doug bradley redubbed his dialogue for lylesburg the mm-hmm. character he plays because in the original he was dubbed really i don't know why i didn't see why i just saw that he was well, that's really weird. Yeah, because he's got a great voice. He does have a great voice, yeah. and it's odd that they would choose to do that. I mean, sometimes yeah, they do if, that because voices are bad or oh, the, yeah. whatever. But and also, Clive but, Barker and Doug Bradley are are good friends. Oh, they've known each other since high school, and they've worked together yeah. forever. And of course, everybody knows Doug Bradley was Pinhead in Hellraiser. Right here, unrecognizable. Oh yeah, totally yeah. unrecognizable. Yeah. I didn't. When I saw him in this now, even, I was like, gosh, I don't even yeah. see it. I just don't. And you can almost see it around the eyes a little, but not really. The makeup's really good. Yeah. I met Doug Bradley quite, a, uh, not quite a few times, but a few times, probably about 15 plus years ago at a convention. He was really nice. And then recently, Tony and I go up to the drive-in, Vandergriff Drive-In up in Pennsylvania, almost every September. They have this super drive-in Monsterama. I've talked about it before. Four nights. In fact, we're wearing one of the t-shirts right now. Four nights. I mean, sorry, not four nights. Two nights. Four movies each night. Yeah. Classic horror movies. And I'm talking like, you know, from the 40s to the 70s, 80s, you know, really good fun stuff. Sometimes real obscure stuff and always a good time there. We always have a blast. But it's right there in Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. Tom Savini shows up. Just to hang out and watch the movies. He's not like a special guest or anything. And Doug Bradley, too. So I'm guessing Doug Bradley lives up there somewhere because I've seen him there three times now. (laughs) And the last time, it was his birthday. And they had a birthday (laughs) cake. And he and Tom Savini, they're just sitting. I mean, they watch the movies, but half the time, they're sitting at one of the tables in concession stand just talking, (laughs) hanging out. And, of course, people come up. Hey, how you doing? Can I get a picture with you? They're like, sure. Nobody asked for autographs, though. 
Yeah. I haven't seen that. That's cool. But that's really cool. And uh, so last time I went, I got a picture of them, said happy birthday, and they were both very polite. In fact, Savini even took my my phone and took the selfie for me <laughs> with us, <laughs> which was really cool. And uh, and Br- Doug Bradley was just, you know, it was just cool. See, I'm just penheads just sitting here in this concession, <laughs> at the concession stand at this drive-in. <laughs> if you get a chance, look up Super Drive-In Monsterama on Facebook, on Google it. Vandergrift Drive-In, Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the Riverside Drive-In in Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. I can't express how much of a good time we have there. It's just a blast sitting, you know, sitting outside in a drive-in watching classic horror movies with a bunch of other people who want to watch classic horror movies. And Ron, uh, Ron Adams from Monster Bash always has a table set up in the concession stand with DVDs and great T-shirts and monster toys and stuff and concession food. Oh, and this past year, they asked me to be a vendor outside, which they don't have vendors. They, they have Ron in, in there, and they might have one other one. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to do it this last time with this, you know, my handmade stuff, and, and they said I could come back next time, so I might do that again. Cool. Going anyway. Why not? Yeah, why not? You know. But anyway, so, you know, Doug Bradley, you can, you can meet him. You can meet Penhead or Lylesburg. But now, back to Nightbreed. <laughs> After that commercial for uh, <laughs> Riverside Drive-In. That's right. <laughs> so we've, we've skipped right over who all's in this. I mean, obviously, Doug Bradley was and Doug Cronenberg. Bradley, David Cronenberg, Craig Schiffer, 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 who was in a handful of other things. Yeah, he plays Boone. Boone. That's really it. I mean, name-wise. Yeah, you know, I, I can't remember of... the girl who plays Lori, but I've never seen her in anything Anne, else. Annie and Bobby. And another one who's been in a few things, been a been a, done a lot of work, but nothing you can say. Oh, her. Yeah, I, I don't remember her from. No, oh, else. John Agar. Oh, for right. God's sake! Right, right. John Agar from Mole People and from you know Creature and from ugh, every fifties horror sci-fi movie, sixty fifties and sixties movie. Uh, if you don't know John Agar, you need to listen to more of this podcast or just you know go back to horror movie school. <laughs> John Agar is awesome, and he's got a, a small part in this as a gas station attendant who Decker tortures, and he knows about Midian, and mm-hmm. he tells him about it. Decker kills him anyway. I told you everything I know. No, no. The monsters. N- Nightbreed. Can they die? What harm they ever done to you? Which I was a treat to see, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Danny Elfman does the music for it, by the way. Which is cool. We ought to try to find the soundtrack. That's something we haven't looked for. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Well, you know, we have the Hellraiser soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to get this one. Oddly enough, if you can't sleep, you should put on the Hellraiser soundtrack. It's very relaxing. It is. It is quite, actually. <laughs> Hellraiser, is it Hellraiser 2? It's Hellraiser 2, yeah. actually. Oh, another couple of interesting things. You know who was considered for the part of Boone? Two people. I don't know why. I guess. They just chose not to do it. Who? Can you think back in 1990 now, or late 80s, Rutger Hauer. Hmm. Christopher Lambert. Ooh. Yeah, I think Christopher Lambert would have been awesome. That would have been pretty cool. I think Craig Shiver had the right look, though, for what the character was supposed to be about. Yeah, no, I think he did you a know? good job. He was he was a good good choice for Boone. Oh, another um, 
more interesting facts. The big mural. I pointed this out to you when we watched oh, it. Oh, yeah, that thing's At awesome. the beginning of the opening credits, she's big mural that the credits go over, and it's the, the history of the breed, basically. And then you see it later in the movie, too. And there's some prophecy at the end. Yeah, and some prophecy about the what goes on or what's on the mural. And it's like cave paintings and, you know, and old paintings. It was done by Ralph McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who Ralph McQuarrie is, <laughs> <laughs> Ralph McQuarrie did all the production sketches for uh, Star Wars. Yep. Which they ended up actually using some of those in the Rebels animated series, which was awesome. Yes. He did the production sketches for Raiders of the Lost Ark and tons of other things. Incredible designer. But yeah, so, and that was a 60 foot painting. Yeah, that thing was it pretty cool. was stretched over the soundstage in Pinewood Studios. Yeah, I wonder what happened to that. Yeah. Well, you're watching the, the bonus, the extras on the, on the Blu-ray there. A couple of the actors talking about how the set, the underground set. Of course, now you think, 80s, no CGI. They built that set that they're walking around on. Yeah. And they said the world, you walk into that world when you walk on in the Midian set. And one, I think it was the girl that played Shauna Sassy mm-hmm. says she used to like just walking around in there before when they weren't shooting. Yeah. Just experiencing the world. It is really cool. Yeah. And the different monsters and stuff they came up with were amazing. I don't know who designed all the monsters, but they were yeah. well, you know, very I, unique I had and interesting. A book years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, I think girl I was dating at the time and ended up at her house. And mm. I never got it back. This was, well, it had to been back in the, you know, 90. 90s. Because it was right after Nightbreed came out. It was, and they did a book, a Hellraiser book like this too. I think it's called The Nightbreed Chronicles. And it has, you know, what is the book? Nine by 12, whatever size. A soft cover book and has full page pictures of the makeups. Oh wow! And a little text about them. Yeah. Oh, and I wish I, st- I wish I had still had that book. Yeah. Because beautiful pictures, and you got to see because the monsters. A lot of them you see real quick. Right. You know, because there's, I mean, dozens of monsters. Yeah. There's only a, a f- four or five that you get spotlighted really. Yeah. That you see up close and well, have lines. Yeah, and that's the thing about the there's so many of them, and you really wonder. What's their story? You yeah. know, like Rachel. Yeah. I love Rachel's character. Oh, yeah. Well, she's sexy as well, hell for one thing. Well, she is. Gorgeous course. woman. She is. And, but the but character's you wonder, really you know, interesting, like, too. Yeah. Where, what was their story? How did yeah. they all get to be in Midian? Yeah. Did, were they all just born there? Yeah. And how and many of them? And you don't see, like, families of yeah. them. It's just single monsters that well, yeah. look like Which, them. Which, you know, what it, what it is to me, what mm-hmm. it seems like, mm-hmm. it, and why I like sideshow stuff and freak show stuff so much, it's like freaks yeah and you they know, call uh, themselves of them, that actually because uh, some of them are kind of supernatural and yeah. have like power type things sure. like the guy with the snake things coming out of his belly but some of the other ones just look like they have deform deformities yeah you True. know now unlike babette who shapeshifts yeah and rachel that can turn into smoke yeah yeah that's this the monster the supernatural element yeah but a lot of the other ones just i mean looking at them mm-hmm. th- they just look a little odd like the one guy who has the tattoos and the uh shaved head and what's he have a, a necklace of ears or something yeah or something like that you're talking about the guy with the dog the guy with the what dog his name i forget what his name was yeah anyway yeah just to look at him he doesn't look like a monster per se yeah but he looks like a freak a little right. freaky you know yeah so that's it's like you know a community of where the freaks found each other kind of like Gibtown. i mean that's where yeah. the, the in florida where all the freaks uh sideshow performers 
in the off season live right. or lived back in the day. I mean, the place is still there, and a lot of the old folks that were on the circuit still live there. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was the that was the place. Right. Well, as uh, as conventions have proven, you know, we kind of all go to find our own. Oh yeah, you find your tribe. Yeah. You know, literally. Yeah. Uh, something else I wanted to point out here. Another interesting fact. Anyway, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but it is another case where it's a much better movie than it gets credit for a lot of times. I mean, it has a strong cult following. Yeah. It but does. it doesn't have as big a cult following. It has what I, I think a true cult following. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It doesn't have this like mainstream cult following, you know? Right. Where stuff gets kind of trendy, but it's it's fringe stuff. It's yeah. not. Well, I don't want to insult anybody by getting specific about stuff about different genres of fans, but you know the ones I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Okay. As opposed to people who saw this type of whatever this thing was, we'll say Nightbreed, when it first came out, and it's it's stuck with you all these years. Right. Well, you know, we were talking about, this is a really in-depth conversation we're not going to go into, but we were talking to Tony the other day about fans and audiences. Oh, yeah. And... It's really true. I love the way we, I'm sure our audiences know that Tony says things that we think much better than we think, much better than we say it. Yeah. Tony can always put into words, <laughs> in, into clear, succinct words, what I'm thinking but cannot put into words. Yeah. A, a lot of times about topics like this. Yeah. And and we will have Tony back here soon whenever I can get off my ass and actually schedule set a date set a date where we can get together and and do another podcast yeah but he was saying something about you know not liking the term fan or i can't remember if he said that or if i was i was reading something about another author that said not liking the word fan very much because it you know fan means fanatic and a lot of people have taken that out of context i guess it's not really doesn't really mean that anymore but anyway so if doesn't matter if you're if you like something anymore you're automatically a fan yeah doesn't matter if you love it or if you just watch it you're a fan yeah you're not just an audience member or whatever yeah what's well, like the same thing with the turn oh i'm such a nerd about that no you're not yeah nerd and geek <laughs> those two words are meaningless nowadays because they're trendy and popular yeah and mainstream right it's like you can't be oh i'm a star trek nerd no everybody likes star trek but 30, 40 years ago, when right. I was a kid and liked Star Trek, that was different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, the reason I, I brought it up is because you were talking about the true cult following of yeah. uh, Nightbreed. And, and that is true. You know, when you're, he was saying, Tony was saying, you know, a true fan to him, and I'm probably not getting all of this. I apologize, Tony. If you're really a fan of it, you you dig into the history of it. You try to find everything you can about it. You look into yeah. as much information and delve into the research is as much as you can about that particular topic. And and that is very true. Yeah. It's like your your brain just cannot get enough yeah. of this thing when you really love it. You try to find everything you can about it. And that's how I was about Nightbreed. And I'm sure that's how it, a lot of people yeah. that really love Nightbreed are. The fans of Nightbreed. Yeah. That's that's well, true, but I think. It's, it's one of the, it hasn't like broke out into mainstream fandom well right that's what i'm saying because you the know. the mass populace hasn't gotten there and yeah. i think that and i hope they don't <laughs> i, I kind of do too i mean i would like to see i would like to see another release of the cabal cut so i can have a copy of it yeah. and watch it i wondered though because the cabal cut came out just a couple of years ago and i thought maybe it might well, reach it, mainstream well, and they played it in a few theaters yeah you know but, but again, it, i don't think it did it had a grassroots 
promotion for yeah. it. So it, I mean, it I know really, that you know. I know the limited release that it did make were selling out left and right. Oh yeah, but, but it was the bigger cities. But so. it was a limited release, and it was bigger yeah. cities. That's right. So, regardless, it has a big following. Oh of yeah, people who really do love it. And it's an amazing film. Yeah, it's fantastic. It. And by all means, go out right now and you should still be able to pick it up on Amazon or anywhere else. You know, the director's cut, Nightbreed, well worth it. Watch it. If I mean, you like they're... Clive Barker or are a Clive Barker fan <laughs> <laughs> and haven't seen this movie, you owe it to yourself to see it. It's it's different from his other stuff, but as distinctly as Clive Barker by design. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. And, and it's one story, of his favorite films of his, actually. The, the story of Nightbreed has a lot of, not hidden meaning, but, you know, underlying meaning and yeah. story behind it. There's there's a lot of... It appeals to outcasts. It does. It does. You know, I that's mean, what the, it's about. the true monsters are the humans in yeah. this. And it, it's really true and sad, but, you know, and sometimes that's reflecting yeah. of what's going on. It seems to me this would appeal more to teenagers. Or adolescence, yeah, you know, because it's like the original, like the Universal monsters and stuff. You know, they they were outcast, except pretty much for Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Frankenstein, the monster, uh, the Wolfman, the creature, mm-hmm. things happened to them, yeah, and because they were different, you know, it's and funny. and turned them into monsters more or less. You talk to you know? people about those now, uh-huh. and most people do not understand that. Oh, no, they don't. They don't. They don't get that that's the story of those monsters. Yeah, well, that's because that's the way they've just been portrayed and cartoon, Mm -hmm. cartoonized (laughs) over the years. And Nightbreed's kind of the same thing. I mean, you know, it's it's a bunch of outcasts finding their own people and going off to, to hang out and be with their own people. And it's like, I don't know, it was like when I was a teenager, and we've talked about this, especially on the Rocky Horror podcast we did. Back then, now Rocky Horror is mainstream, and everybody's been to see it. It's been on TV. There's toy, There was toys in the mall. It's not a cult movie anymore. Sorry, it's not. Nope. But it was at one time, mm-hmm. and it was one of the biggest cult movies ever. And the cult of Rocky parallels the, kind of the Nightbreed thing. It's like you, you don't fit in anywhere else. You're different. Mm-hmm. Then you go... And you find this place where other people like you hang out mm-hmm. and they don't make fun of you and they accept you to, to be one of them and to hang out and be there. And that's the way Rocky used to be back in the 80s and the 90s a bit, and most of the 90s. And Nightbreed is like that. The Tribes of the Moon is the, these monsters, these freaks don't fit anywhere else. They come to Midian and this is their people. This is where they, you know, mm-hmm. fit in and they live. And so... You know, it's cool for that. And besides that, you know, Shauna Sassy is sexy as hell. <laughs> True. And very cool monster design. A very cool monster design shouldn't be that sexy. No, really Because her shouldn't. face is kind of weird. A little bit. Messed up looking. Yeah, but very cool. Yeah, but her and Rachel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to bring the sappy moment back up to, back up. A, back up to the gutter. That's uh- <laughs> where we live. That's right. In the gutter. You know, I'm going to, of course, I will put a lot of pictures because I'll, hopefully I'll find a lot of the monsters on the Facebook page. Incidentally, do check us out on Facebook, Phantasmo After Dark. Check out the Facebook page there. I will put up lots of pictures in an album and try to find the original trailer. And then if there is a, a new trailer for like the director's cut to see the difference in how it was marketed. 
Yeah, that'd be cool to you see. You know, because I don't remember the original trailer. Yeah, I don't either. If there was one. I'm sure there was one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another thing. I, I got to mention that one of my favorite things about the movie. Yeah. And it's this aesthetic, just a stupid little thing that for me. Right. But when it, it starts, the movie starts and at the beginning the word Nightbreed slides across the screen <laughs> and each letter has a different film of a monster in it moving around like a scene from the movie or a cut scene or something. Yeah. But each letter has a different monster and then the word Nightbreed is sliding across the screen. That's awesome. It I is love stuff. Like, I love titles and movies that do stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't To me, it just said it as like, this is kind of an old school grindhouse type monster movie. All right. Yeah. And I'm ready. Let's go. Buckle up. <laughs> And it's a fun ride. It yeah. really is. I can't stress it enough. I I don't know. That's about all I got, I think. I think so. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Watch it. Indeed. One last thing to do. Must play the Planet of the Apes game. The world revolves around Planet of the Apes. The world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. The hell with your six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Planet of the Apes. You can connect anything back to the original Planet of the Apes. We've proved it. We're going to prove it again. Indeed. All right. Let's do... I don't know if I want to do Cronenberg or Doug Bradley. Have we ever done either one of them? I don't think so. Do Cronenberg. David Cronenberg. Connecting to Planet of the Apes. Okay. David Cronenberg. Let's see. <laughs> David Cronenberg was in Jason X. He was? At the very beginning. He's the doctor that, that releases Jason. Oh, okay. With the, well, either one of the chicks, the the android chick or the Asian chick who was in Andromeda with Kevin Sorbo. Okay. Okay? Yep. Kevin Sorbo was in FDR American Badass. <laughs> With Barry Bostwick. With Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. With Richard Bryan, who was in Shock Treatment with Jessica Harper, who was in Fan of the Paradise with Paul Williams, who was Virgil in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Thank you. Good night. That was a really good way to go. I like that one. <laughs> that went through like every cult film that I loved. There you, go. you are welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Once again, proving the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. And do yourself a favor, go watch one of the original Planet of the Apes films. <laughs> so that's it. Well done. That's it for this time. So until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.